Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we read Parsha Tetzaveh, which contains the instructions for making the clothing for the Kohanim and the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. And this makes sense because last week we read the Parsha to Truma, the instructions for making the Mishkan or the tabernacle. And so this week we have the instructions for making the clothing that the people who are going to be serving it, God in that space that they should wear. And we see that there are many different pieces. In the introduction, we are told you have to make a choshen, an ephod, a me'il, a katonet, a mitznef, an avnet. There's also a tzitz, a breast piece, an ephod, um, an apron type of thing, a robe, a fringe tunic, a headdress, and a sash. And then there's a diadem as well. And so it's clear that there are very specific garments um, and pieces, accessories, maybe, if you will, that the kohanim are supposed to wear in order to serve God. Very, very detailed and very specific. And there's a lot of analysis that goes into the meaning of each of these pieces, etc. But today, instead of focusing on any one of those specific pieces, we're going to zoom out and think about it in a bigger picture sense. Now, the first zooming out of Parshat Tetzaveh question, the classic question people ask about this is, this is the only Parsha in the Torah since Moshe is born in which his name is not mentioned. Moshe's name is not mentioned once in Parshat Tetzaveh, even though it was mentioned in every other single Parsha in the Torah since his birth. And so the question is why? Now, this is also an interesting question because he's still featured prominently in that he's the one who is receiving the instructions. God says, you know, you have to command, you Moshe. So he's, he's playing a role in the Parsha, but his name isn't actually there. And so one of the popular answers then to this question, given that Moshe is present, even though his name isn't mentioned, is that after that with the sin of the golden calf, when when God Moshe is protesting God and asking God not to destroy the people, he says, you know, if you do Mechenina, right, erase my name from your book. And so one of the classic responses here, explanations for why Moshe's name is not in Tetzave is because this was God sort of giving in a little bit, um, giving Moshe a little bit of what he wanted to erase his name from this one Parsha, the Parsha, of course, of Aharon, who some see as having enabled the entire sin of the golden calf in the first place. Now, I think that that's, it's an interesting question to note of why Moshe isn't in the Parsha. But I don't think that our exploration of it should end with an answer to that question. But rather, we should use that question as an opportunity to explore more Moshe's role in general vis-a-vis the Parsha. And I actually think that the more interesting question isn't why Moshe's name is not in the Parsha, but rather why Moshe doesn't get any specific clothing. Moshe is the leader of the people. You'd think that this is a high esteemed position. He should get something, certainly if his brother, the Kohen Gadol, is getting something. And so the question for us is, well, why? Why doesn't Moshe have any garments? Now, so first of all, let's consider Moshe's role within the context of the people. Um, and, and incidentally, I was already thinking about this question before then, Rabbi, um, the, the weekly email, the weekly Tvar Torah from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory also sort of addressed the same question or a similar question in asking, what is the delineation? What's the difference between Moshe's leadership in Aharon's leadership, right? We have two 
brothers serving as leaders in very different capacities. Now, to remember, Aaron gets the role of the Kohen Gadol. He gets the role of the high priest. It is his job to oversee the worship of God in, as expressed through the avoda, the service, in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. Right, that looks like the sacrifices, um, dealing with sarat, with with this leprosy or whatever you want to call it. All of these things. He has an important role. It's a very spiritual role. Now, I don't mean twenty first century definition of spiritual, but rather it, it is focused on the God component of it, on the literal spiritual worship of God. Now, Moshe, fascinatingly we think of as being in a higher up position than him, but his leadership doesn't really have anything to do with what Aaron's doing. I mean, yes, they're okay. They're, you know, they're working together. They're not isolated. They're not compartmentalized, but Moshe's leadership is in the form of judging the people as we saw with Yetro, Marsha Yetro. He is the one actually interacting with the people and rendering the decisions and also communicating with God. And it's very, very clear from the dynamics that emerge from the text that Moshe's role is seen as being superior to Aaron's. Interestingly, when the Ibn Ezra, when he comments on the beginning of this week's Parsha, and he says, well, what the implied is that God is speaking, God says, you should command, right? So why is God speaking to Moshe directly here? Why does Moshe specifically have to be the one to transmit? And he says, well, that's because Moshe was the Kohen HaKohanim Batrila. Moshe was the ultimate Kohen, the ultimate priest at the beginning, right? Moshe kind of did everything, but then Aaron and his family, because of the actions of Nachshon, they were rewarded with the role of the kahuna, of the priesthood. And not only that, but Moshe, Moshe was too busy. He was dealing with other things. And what were those other things? He was in charge of teaching the people all of the mitzvot, all of the commandments. And he was also the one, as we said, judging everything and the, rendering difficult, challenging judgments in a, in a place where there was confusion because we saw he had set up systems of, of, of uh, lower judges and then he is the top judge as it were. So Moshe's really here, I think I appreciate what the Ibn Ezra is articulating is that Moshe is at the top. Moshe is in theory in charge of everything. And this is a way of, tr of, of cutting out some of his responsibilities and handing them to his brother because Moshe is all, is so consumed with the other stuff. But again, it's not a way of saying, well, Aaron has the ultimate most important job. That's still very clearly Moshe. And yet Aaron is the one with the clothing and not with Moshe. And I think that we also see this emphasized when at the very end of the book of Exodus, after the tabernacle has been constructed and after Aaron's clothing has all you know been built, everything is ready. All these instructions we've gotten have actually been carried out and they're ready to go. And who completes the final setting up of the Mishkan? It's Moshe. It's not Aaron. Moshe is the one who goes around and sets everything up. And not only that, but Moshe is the one who has to leave the space once God's Anan, the Anan of Kavod, the, the cloud of God's honor, sort of a, the best approximation we can get to a physical representation of God's dwelling amongst us, it fills the Mishkan, it fills the space, and Moshe has to leave. As a sign to the people that you don't confuse your leader with God, God's self. 
your leader is still human and therefore he has to exit the space when God is fully filling it. So that again teaches us that the people, they didn't need the message that the Kohen Gadol was the holiest person and not to confuse him with God. They needed the, most, the message that Moshe was not the holiest person and that they couldn't confuse him with God. So we still have our question of why then does Aaron get all of the big kahuna, all of the clothing of the, the priesthood, and yet Moshe seems doesn't need anything. He doesn't get anything. He doesn't need these kinds of garments. So what's going on here? Now, so as Rabbi Sachs points out in his Dvar Torah, well, the role of the priest was really just extraordinary opposite in some ways um, from the role of the prophet is what he called it or of Moshe here, the person who's actually interacting with the people. And one of the ways is that our own's role is not dynamic. It doesn't change based on the circumstances. The Kohanim, they get up in the morning and they do the same thing every day. Now, sure, who's coming through your door to offer extra sacrifices will differ a little bit, etc. But it's really all the same thing. And they have all of this, this performative gear, right? This clothing, these special outfits for that role. But the prophet, the judge, they're in a much different position. They're not doing the same thing every day, going through, you know, the, the same steps in the worship of God. No, they're interacting with the people every day. They're interfacing with the people. They're really getting down and getting dirty, getting their hands dirty is the expression that we would use. And they're really the more dynamic, changing figure that has to adapt to the times and really has to adapt to the needs of the people and lead them appropriately in order to keep them being good people. Now, I don't necessarily think that one clear answer emerges here for why Moshe doesn't need the clothing and Aharon does. But rather, what I hope we can do is use this as insight into what it, we really look for in our leaders. What does it mean to be a leader? And I think it's interesting here that the message that God is saying by not providing Moshe with any clothing, with any garb, is saying that the real, like the most important person amongst you is not someone who needs a uniform, not someone who needs a fancy, beautiful outfit. The representation of the true leader of the people at any given time is going to just be someone whose personality is what shines through. The Kohanim, they don't need a specific personality because their clothing represents what they're doing. A leader doesn't need the clothing because they can't do the job without themselves, without the personality, without, without having the actual qualifications to do the job. And I think that that's a very important thing for us to remember and to reflect on. Now, I, I've been trying to connect this into current events a little bit, and I actually think that something that's really been been on the back of my mind is um, Vice President Kamala Harris was on the cover of Vogue magazine a number of weeks ago. And there was a lot of criticism because she was featured in what was described as a more casual outfit than like a formal suit and wearing her classic Converse sneakers. Now, there was some criticism, there was a lot of backlash to this cover. And some of the criticism is race related, and it is certainly not my position as a white woman to be commenting on that. But some of it was also, well, just saying, why are you taking you know, the, the first female vice president and portraying her in a more casual light than perhaps maybe you would a male politician? Shouldn't she be featured in a fancier suit? Um, you know, maybe with more makeup, maybe with high heels, et cetera. And I actually found this criticism to be massively annoying and frustrating because to me it missed the boat 
on the importance of real leadership in the 21st century or real leadership in any society at any time. And I think the point that we see here is that real leaders, they don't get or they don't need a fancy formal outfit. Now, of course, you have to comp- you have to carry yourself with basic elements of dignity and respect, obviously. No one's saying Moshe's walking around in a torn outfit and busted sandals or whatever. I'm sure he, he dressed you know, at least you know, to the standards of everybody else. But fundamentally, the way he presented himself, the way he dressed didn't matter. What mattered is his ability to do the job. And in fact, not only that, I would argue that part of being a leader amongst people isn't just that, oh, it doesn't matter what they're wearing, but you specifically aren't supposed to come off in a way where you are transcendent, you dress fancier than the people you are leading, that you you hold yourself to higher standards of pomp and circumstance than them. I think a lot of us actually, with the, with the, with the subtle message here, is that people really connect to someone who actually looks like them, who acts like them, to someone who wears gym shoes on the job because she's going to be working 14 hours a day. I don't want my person, my leader, you know, wearing high heels or uncomfortable shoes or fancier shoes than necessary just for the sake of it. I want them to look the part, to dress for the job that they need to do. And I think that that's an important element of what's emerging here. The kind of leadership for which you need to, in order to succeed, you need to bring yourself and your talents and your job and your your just your yourself, everything, your your hundred percent to the job. That's the kind of job that doesn't need an outfit. Because what you're gonna be able most importantly to convey is yourself and your inner worth. Shabbat shalom.